It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. I'm Quinn Myers, and I'm here at the University of Chicago to talk with Curious Citizen Blaze Arena. Blaze has a question inspired by his mom. She was a student here during World War II. One day, she noticed something suspicious. She used to walk past Stag Field all the time on her way to classes, and rather suddenly, she would see massive ventilating stacks and ventilating fans being constructed along the side of the building, going up past the roof, and this was all happening very quickly. She needed to use a payphone, so she went into a building she had been in many times before. This time, when she went in the door, alarm bells went off, and all of a sudden, a sailor, as she put it, showed up and barred the way and asked her what she was doing here and asked her a lot of other questions. She didn't know it at the time, but the building she had walked into had been taken over by the Manhattan Project. It was the highly confidential government program charged with building the world's first atomic bomb. It set up shop in Chicago shortly after the U.S. entered the war. She did say after the war, she finally put two and two together. Against that backdrop of war, there was an intense fear that American secrets would be discovered by the Germans. So the project was conducted under a veil of secrecy. Well, it's hush-hush too, Clem. Government work. I know. You're working on the Manhattan Project. Blaze wants to know just how deep that secrecy went. Who knew what? What did they really tell the mayor and his underlings about what was going to happen? And if they told them in any scientific detail, was the mayor capable of comprehending what the consequences of this could be if something went wrong? In 1942, the war effort was underway. America prepares. All America alters its pattern of life and work to meet the demand for protection. Weapons were being developed around the country. And as part of that effort, scientists at the University of Chicago conducted one of the most influential experiments in history, the Chicago Pile 1. It was literally a big Jenga-looking pile of graphite and uranium. It towered over 20 feet high and weighed tons. Under the careful instruction of physicist Enrico Fermi, the pile became the world's first self-sustaining nuclear reactor. It was a vital step in the development of both nuclear energy and atomic weapons. Weapons that would later be dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Chicago may not seem like the obvious choice for this experiment, but the project administrators chose it for a few reasons. The university had a top-notch physics department. They also thought the distance from the coasts might hide it from enemy spies, like the Germans, who the Americans feared were trying to build their own bomb. Do you think they might be working on an atomic bomb, too? They've all wondered. They've got the brains, they know as much about nuclear fission as we do. William Nicholson was just out of high school when he helped construct the pile. He spoke to the Atomic Heritage Foundation about all the secrecy. We were not to reveal anything of what you do. Don't take up with strangers. Uh, if you're having a sandwich someplace or a beer or whatever, uh, watch out that people who may engage you in conversation, they may actually be the enemy. They don't look so dangerous, do they? No. Don't kid yourself. There was at least one time when this secrecy apparatus was tested. In 1945, Abe Crash was the editor of the school newspaper, the Chicago Maroon. 
The paper published what he thought was a routine article on a physics professor named Arthur Compton. But then two military officers showed up at his office. The military had gone around the previous night and picked up every single paper throughout the campus and also gone to the printer and destroyed the plates. That's Crash speaking to the Atomic Heritage Foundation. Just half a line in the article mentioned Compton's research on atomic energy. There was no mention of his connection to the Manhattan Project. Still, that's all it took to trigger the military's response. At the time, even the university president was likely kept in the dark. He might have had some vague notion, but I think I think there was probably an intentional lack of precision about exactly what was going on. That's Dr. Robert Rosner. He's a professor at U of C and a member of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, the group founded by Manhattan Project researchers. And back to Blaze's original question, what about the city and the mayor? The political folks here in Chicago were not made aware of what was going on here. It was a secret. Other experts and memoirs from the time confirm the experiments were critical wartime secrets. The project administrators would not have taken the chance. Even some of the people who built the pile didn't know what it was for. William Nicholson again. What I didn't know was that it was a bomb. I thought we were going to be developing atomic engines. Engines for military vehicles that could travel for months without refueling. But what about safety? A nuclear experiment in a city of three and a half million people? Rosner says the scientists installed safety mechanisms, and they were confident they could control the pile. Today, we know that they were right. Just you feeling for it, the maximum power output of this reactor was two watts. Two watts is what your nightlight has. Okay, so this is not even close to being a bomb. It was not even a burp. But remember, this was uncharted territory at the time. And so they were very much taking a chance. After World War II, many of the Manhattan Project scientists grew concerned and in some cases terrified of what they had helped create. They advocated to take nuclear development out of the hands of the military. The Atomic Energy Act of 1946 did just that. Today, regulation and oversight of nuclear research is overseen by several civilian agencies, primarily the Department of Energy. Today on the U of C campus, there's a bronze statue marking the exact location of the Chicago pile. Looking back, some might question the wisdom of keeping a nuclear experiment from Chicago officials. But our questioner Blaze thinks both the Manhattan Project and the secrecy around it were necessary. Science cannot be stopped. That's the first thing. Secondly, they had to do it. And thirdly, if they didn't do it, someone else was going to do it. That's for sure. Support for Curious City comes from the Conant Family Foundation. Special thanks to the Atomic Heritage Foundation. You can listen to our podcast at wbez.org slash Curious City or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Quinn Myers. Hey, this is Jesse Dukes, Curious City audio producer. We want to thank all of you who've sent us puzzling questions to stump Chicago's top architects. And we still have tickets available for our event at the Chicago Architecture Center on Thursday, June 20th. You'll get to see the Architecture Jeopardy game and have a chance to win some prizes. 
And we have an original theatrical story inspired by the designers of the John Hancock Center and Sears Tower, with actors and everything. So go to architecture.org for more details or to buy tickets. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.